You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Yeah, it's great to have Chris Barsby back and he joins me in the studio. That's a nice treat. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, Steve. Good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to everyone as well. Yeah, and I know when I come back from holidays sometimes, you think, oh, gee, you know, I'm a bit out of touch <laughs> and a bit away, but you soon pick it up and it's yeah. like second nature once again, and I'm sure similarly with you, Chris. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, how many meetings have you called since you've been back now? Just the one. Just, just the Saturday one. Night, so yeah. Day two today. Of course, you left on a massive high, didn't you, with those yeah. two stars winning on Inter-Dominion night. What a night it was. Um, yeah. We chatted to Kevin Seymour subsequently and Grant Dixon as well. And I wonder if we will see Leap to Fame race or maybe well, certainly trial at least before that um, you know, Hunter Cup on Feb 3, Chris. Yeah, well, it's looking likely. And just going back to ID 23 Grand Finals night, couldn't have been scripted any better. That, that were the two Yeah, but your calls also, Chris, you want to give yourself a wrap? I said to Kevin Seymour, and he said he was brought to tears. Uh, he's been racing horses for 50 years almost, and he said it was just the most special night he's ever been involved in. Your yeah. call, the horse winning, you know, the crowd getting behind yeah. him as well. That, uh, that, that was something that sort of caught me by surprise. When... When Leap to Fame sailed clear passing the 400, uh, the crowd on hand that night just roared. And that would have lifted you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've got a little bit of vision uh, out of my left eye of that. So, um, you know, to, to hear that and, and to see him just, you know, sail clear in the home straight and do it as easily as what he did, it, it was special. And, and it capped a really special sort of carnival. And then to have a few races later, just believe, clean sweep his second straight series, um, that was phenomenal as well. This is a trotter where Greg Sugars, the driver, put the reins in one hand and just started saluting 100 metres out on a trotter. That's how well-balanced a trotter he is. Mm. Normally, you wouldn't dare to think of doing something like that on a trotter, but uh, he was awesome. He, he exceeded my expectations. I thought he was really good, but he was just brutal and, and just absolutely stunning throughout that series, Just Believe. So I'm looking forward to seeing both of these horses progress. Uh, the Hunter Cup you mentioned for Leap to Fame, not all that far away. So there's every chance that we're going to see Leap to Fame either trial or race prior to that trip to Melbourne. And Just Believe, the big target for him is going to be the Great Southern Star, which comes up on the same weekend as the Hunter Cup. So we'll get to see these two star performers back uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, you know, we've now been told that Swayze is going to bypass the Hunter Cup. He's going to bypass the Miracle Mile. They want to give him a good spell. So there's a lot of good options for Leap to Fame uh, in the short term. So the mm. Hunter Cup, Miracle Mile, and they're really important races now that he's got the Inter-Dominion on the CV. And he's a stallion too. So if he can come out and win a Hunter Cup and a Miracle Mile... Not sure what else they can do for mm. his CV. Yeah, well, they're even looking at that race by Grins uh, in mm. New Zealand as well. And yep. even they're talking about Just Believe going over there as well for that big yep. squat, uh, trotting square, uh, slot race as yep. well yep. on the same night. So A lot of good options yeah. for both horses. But, uh, you know, just with Leap to Fame being a stallion, um, you know, you're starting to look at the second phase of his career. And uh, if he can tick off a few of these big races, if he can win all three of those, the Hunter Cup, the Miracle Mile, and then go to New Zealand and beat their best paces over there not sure what else he needs to do yeah i think kevin though just with that heart situation as well mm. chris that you know he battled he had to be rushed into hospital for heart surgery life-saving heart surgery i think he just wants to see him race is the feeling i got for yeah. as long as he can and, and um, that's a good result for the industry like we're in desperate need of this pin-up horse pace or whatever you want to call it 
and he's it. He proved it conclusively throughout the Inter-Dominion. Clean sweep, absolutely dominant in the final. So the more we get to see him race, the better it is for mm. harness racing. Just on Greg Sugars, what about the drive on the second horse, so the better yeah. eclipse in the final? How yeah. he, When Swayze came off, or yep. he wanted him to come off, and then he slotted straight behind him. Yeah, well, at you the know, bell... And at, the one out, one back. Just from my perspective, calling the race, at the bell, when you knew uh, Leap to Fame and Swayze were really cutting at one another, and the speed was just unbelievably quick, and better eclipses right on the back of Swayze. I had that... That feeling, I thought, oh, he, he's just in a perfect position here. And if they keep overdoing it, he's the one that's, you know, going to come out on top here. But when Dixon went for home at the 400, he sort of just put a gap on his rival so quickly and he was able to hold that margin all the way uh, to the line. But just at the bell, I, I will admit that I had that feeling that He's just in a really good position and he could easily get over the top. Mm, certainly a special night. Chris, uh, Jason Scott was with me last week and this generated a big talking point and uh, it's all to do with the Olympics and, and some changes with government. They want to cut costs uh, and they're looking at the GABA and also other infrastructure mm. projects with a view to the Olympic Games. Uh, of course, Albion Park's earmarked to be an Olympic venue, but there could be a change. So Jason Scott was saying, and this is not locked in stone or anything, but it's the potential to stay at Albion Park because it may not be used as an Olympic venue. They may uh, look at cheaper options. Mm -hmm. um, so that means we could potentially stay at Albion Park. If that being the case, Norwell would not go ahead. Um, what would the feeling be in the industry, Chris, amongst, and you speak to a lot of participants, do they want to go to Norwell or do they prefer to stay at Albion Park if some money was spent on it there? I know on-course stabling's a big thing. Yeah. And that was going to be the big thing at Norwell, have a heap of on-course stables to try and attract people. But what's your thought on all that if we stay at Albion Park, which I reckon is probably favoured over the other way now? Well, first of all, it was a big talking point on Saturday night when mm. I returned to the track there on the weekend. So there was a lot of people talking about it. And there's a lot of uncertainty about what is the best way forward for harness racing. So I think if you talk to a, a few of the officials, um, certainly from the harness racing side of it, perfect scenario would be to stay at Albion Park Obviously, they want to upgrade the facilities because they're outdated. So does that mean they look to uh, flip what we've got now? So build a brand-new grandstand and stabling enclosure in the back straight so where we are now, they could generate, you know, retail uh, options there and have shops along the, 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 the home straight where we are now and do a complete sort of 180 on, on what we've had. That would be similar to what took place at the Meadowlands in North America. But then the problem with that is funding. And this is going to be the big thing going forward, funding. Who's going to cough up the money to upgrade Albion Park? Because it def definitely needs upgrading. Yeah, and he went on in that interview to talk about turnover and it's, mm. it's wide, you know, widespread just with the situation with the interest rates and various situations, yeah. 30 to 40 million down. And furthermore, uh, they would like to have uh, a major upgrade and, and remain at Albion Park, but also... They would like to also have Norwell as a training facility, not as a racing facility, but don't waste what they've got, like the land's been purchased, so have the training facility. But again, who's going to fund that, that mm. project? So uh, there's a fair bit of money involved to upgrade Albion Park and to go ahead with Norwell. Could we have both? Many might think it's probably unlikely, but given that, you know... Uh, Perga with the, the Greyhounds have got three tracks out there. It's going to be state-of-the-art. It's brand new. There's been uh, plenty of upgrades for the thoroughbreds. 
what does harness racing get? So can we get an upgrade of Albion Park, the Metro track, remain in that Brisbane CBD area? Can we also have that training facility built at Norwell? So that's going to be the telling factor, but it all comes down to funding. Mm. But you're right. Like, and I spoke to my partner about this just recently on the weekend, you know, where Albion Park is situated, mm. there's so much, you know, like... So it could be so much more there yep. besides just as a harness racing venue where it is. Yeah. You know, just that location. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I just want to do something over the coming months, weeks, just get the thought of some people in the industry to yep. see what they want. Yep. What, what do they want? I know um, there's a, but, a few stables, uh, leading stables, that are quite uh, traditional, so they want to remain at Albion Park. As exciting as it is to have a brand-new facility, they know what they've got at Albion Park. So they know it's the best track in Australia size-wise, 1,000 metres, uh, and, and they've seen it as well uh, with the move away from that CBD area, Harold Park, Mooney Valley. Uh, we've gone to Melton and Menangle as a result. But uh, I think if we can stay close to the CBD, I think that's a good thing for the industry going forward. Yeah. Well, Nathan Dawson is about to join us in a moment on uh, Mobile Rolling. End of the straight, not as promised in front from the locomotive. And what's up, party time? Not as promised, four metres in front. He's finding plenty, though, not as promised. He's got the measure of the locomotive. And what's up, party time? And not as promised is too good. Not as promised wins. The locomotive second. What's up, party time? Third and yeah, fourth. Yeah, not as promised. Angle. Nathan Dawson with us now. Chris. Nathan, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Congratulations. I wanted to talk to you this morning just to recap 2023. What an unbelievable year for you in the Sulky. 413 wins. That was the final tally. Are you able to get your head around that number now after, you know, the season's been complete for just over a week now? Yeah, I think it's still sinking in. Um, you know, during the time, it didn't really seem... Um, you know, that much. But um, when you sit back and look at it, um, yeah, it's quite an achievement and I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. So 208 individual horses or individual winners you sat behind to, to reach 413. We just replayed Not As Promised. You won two Group 1 races with this guy. He was the first Queenslander to win a Victoria Trotters derby. Is he the obvious one or is there a few others that stand out for you looking back at 2023? No, I think probably um, they're probably the highlights, um, especially um, the derby, um, you know, being quite unexpected um, was probably, you know, the, the biggest thing, um, highlight for the season, if not, you know, my career. Just going through the numbers, uh, so Chris Alford has the record. Most wins in a single season, 456. That was in the 17-18 season. The following year, he returned with 420. So you've got 413 victories. That record, 456, is that gettable in your opinion now that you've gone through a full season with 413 wins? Uh, I mean, it's always gettable, but, you know, it's whether you want to push hard enough to get it... Um... But I think it'll stay, you know, a record for quite some time. Um, you know, it's going to be quite hard to break that. I pushed pretty hard this year and, you know, I fell quite a way short of that. Well, you ended up, uh, what, some 142 more, uh, more wins in front of Gary Hall Jr., who I think clocked in second in the national premiership. And just on the local premiership, the state premiership, Pete McMullen, he was, uh, he was about, uh, I think, over 100 behind you as well. So you've put a big margin on your rivals. Yeah, I had a really good season, you know, and, you know, the main thing was I had really good support from 
trainers out there. So that was the key, you know, getting as many drives as I could and, you know, just trying to make the most of it. There wouldn't have been many stables that you didn't drive for last year, looking back. Uh, you're a freelance driver. That There would have been a lot of stables that you sort of uh, helped along the way. Yeah, you know, I drive for a lot of stables and, you know, everyone's good enough, you know, except, you know, the way I drive. Um, being a freelance driver, having to pick and choose horses. So I get good support. You know, I'm very thankful for the trainers. Okay. Just remind me, what was the target at the start of 2023? What were you hoping for? Because your numbers in previous seasons have been very good. So what was the goal for 2023? I always chased um, the 300, you know, in previous years and fell short. So I was hoping to get the 300, um, you know, this year, which was my main um, target. And I got there pretty quick. And so then I just pushed as hard as I could for the rest of the season to see how far I could get. So we get to the end of December. You've got the record for, for Queensland victories and you've joined very elite company. Only Chris Alford uh, is the only other driver that's driven in excess of 400 wins in a single season. So at the end of December, was it relief uh, or was it just exhaustion that you've been able to find the finishing line? Um, yeah, there was a bit of relief there. You know, you start thinking... Um, you know, when you're getting close, am I going to get there and start, you know, working out how long you got? But there was a bit of relief. But, you know, also, you know, I wanted to keep pushing to the end of the year and see what I could get to. Okay. How did you hold up uh, both physically and emotionally throughout 2023? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I'm pretty lucky. Um, you know, I just freelance. I don't train horses. And, you know, my partner looks after me pretty well. So, um I was pretty lucky, um, you know, I really don't know how some trainers and drivers do it. Yeah. Did you have any role models uh, throughout 2023, whether it be uh, fellow licensees or, or someone completely out of the harness racing circle? Did you have any role models that you were sort of looking upon for, for you know, that little bit of inspiration? Uh, you know, growing up, you always have role models, you know, especially like Chris Alford and, you know, all the leading drivers up here, you know. And I grew up with Pete McMullen and, you know, when he started driving, you know, he's doing very well. So all of them, you know, kind of inspired me to what I am today. Okay. So what's the mindset for 2024 then? We're fresh into the new year. You've already got, what, five wins, I think, for this year already. So what's the, the target? What's the goal? What's the mindset? Um, yeah, I still want to have a good season. You know, I probably won't push as hard as I did last year, but you know, if I can get between 200 and 300, um, you know, I'll be very happy again. So is that easier said than done? Because you're on the on the wheel as it sort of stands now. Is it easier to sort of back off a little bit? Or now that you're sort of going full steam ahead and you're in demand, is it is it as easy as it sounds to, to sort of step back? Um, you know, it's um, still quite a lot of drives, um, but I'm lucky. I do get, you know, a lot of drives. So it's, I won't really be stepping back, but, um, you know, I won't be taking, like, you know, just one or two drives at meetings. So um, we'll just have to see how it goes, but um, we'll definitely be pushing again this year. Okay. I want to break down the season that you had. So your first century came up in 86 days. The second century took you 102 days, so you slacked off a little bit there. <laughs> the third hundred, it only took you 77 days. And the final hundred, 84 days. So that's just cracking speed, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. You know, when you break it down like that, um, you probably don't realise how many winners you're getting, you know, quickly. So um, it's quite surprising to hear those numbers, actually. Mm. Five winners or more at a single meeting. You did it four times. No other Queensland driver has achieved that. Three times at Albion Park, once at Redcliffe. So there's another feather in your cap. Yeah, it is, you know, and this is only because of the support from trainers and owners that I've got. So I really can't take all the credit for, you know, the numbers that are up. Well, just a few other little uh, uh, accolades to throw your way following 2023. You won the Australian Drivers' Championship in Tasmania, uh, in Tasmania, I should say. That was at Launceston. First Queensland driver to win a Victoria Trotters derby. You took two drives in New Zealand as well when you went over there in December. So it's not just Queensland. You were here, there and everywhere, driving in Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania and in New Zealand. Yeah, you know, I want to get my name out there and, you know, when the bigger races come around, you know, it'd be nice to pick up some drives, you know, not just local stables, but, you know, stables from all different states. So if that happens one day, um, you know, that's probably my end goal is to, um, you know, get somewhere like that. All right. What about uh, as far as competing in 2023? And you drove everywhere, like I just outlined. Was there a driver that surprised you in any way, shape or form when you were out on the track competing? Um, no, not really. Um, you know, everyone's very competitive and, you know, we've got a lot of good drivers up here and, you know, they say a lot of them are underrated. So not really. Um, you know, everyone's hard to compete against and, so really, at the end of the day, it's, it's what's underneath, you know, yeah, the horse you got is, you know, what makes you. Right. You're 28 years of age. I just want to start by going right back to the very start. Your first season was 2011 and 12. Uh, in your first, what, five seasons of driving, in total, you had 189 winners. In five seasons, 189. So you're obviously getting established. You're getting, getting your mojo, getting your rhythm. In the last six seasons, you've driven 1,496 winners. Yeah, a bit of a slow start, but, um, you know, it picked up good and I've had a lot of good support, you know, along the way. So um, that's, the, that's the main key is support. You know, for me, if I didn't have trainers, um, you know, I wouldn't be getting any winners, let alone drives. All right, so 413 last year. The previous year, 236, then 238, 255, 140, 214, 126. They're really strong and solid numbers. So you talk about this support from owners and trainers, uh, and there's been a good group uh, just looking back at 2023. Donnie and Maureen Smith have been great supporters of you. Greg Franklin's been another one. Uh, Sean and Michelle Grimsey, they're three that come to mind, but there's plenty of others? Yeah, there is. You know, there's a heap out there. And, you know, it's not just the biggest tables. It's also the little ones, you know, that week in, week out, um, you know, I might hop off, but you know, the following week they're good enough to give me the opportunity again. So, you know, if I didn't have them, um, not just the main stables, but all the little ones, um, it'd be a lot tougher for me. Yeah, no doubt. Jack and Tara Butler, an obvious uh, stable that gave you plenty of support throughout 2023 as well. Tell me this. I was trying to find this uh, little piece of information when I was doing some research. Did you drive for the Dixon stable last year? Um, yeah, I reckon I might have. Yeah, I think you did some... too. Yeah, I did. I drove um, 
St. Jude, John, and I drove the treat. I run second in the, the triad or Q-Red, one of them races. Uh, fair enough. I, I knew there was one. I just couldn't find the horse or remember the horse, so it drove me uh, nuts last night trying to uh, dig that one up, but I knew you'd have the answer for me. So looking ahead to 2024, uh, you, you're keen to keep going. Can you go better than 413? Like I said, you've got five winners already for this year. So, what, we're up to, what, January 9 today. So, how are we looking? Uh, I, I doubt that I'll get there. Um, as I said, last year I pushed hard and I yeah, went to every meeting and didn't have any time off. But I'm going away, you know, next week for a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, that'll put a bit of a dent in the season. Okay. And just on last season, suspensions. How did you, how did you fare last year with suspensions? Yeah, no, I didn't get any, you know, I was pretty lucky. Um, the few close calls, but um, I was lucky enough not to get away with the suspension. So that definitely, you know, helped along the way. Yeah. So a very good driver out there, very courteous driver by the sound of it. You could say that or a <laughs> bit of luck on my side. <laughs> All right. So you're away for a couple of weeks. So after this Saturday night? Yeah, I head away next Monday, so um, I'll be away for two weeks and then we'll be back into it. All right. I've got to talk about today's drives as well. So we've got an eight-race program. You're going to be honoured by the club today as well, little function being uh, staged on track. Uh, but just going through your drives today, race one, Alanon, this is the trot. You've had a few sits behind this guy, yet to get a victory. Is he one that you've just got to take on trust? Yeah, he is. Um, you know, he was going really good there about three starts ago. The last couple have probably been a fraction disappointing, but he's probably raced a bit tougher, you know, opposition. But um, you, he's a funny horse. If he steps away and gets out in front, he won't be far away. All right. Race two, Datitude. You know this horse well. Three wins behind him, but he's facing a second-row draw. How do you rate him? I actually think he's going quite well. Um, I think if Trent's horse wasn't in it, you know, he'd be in with a really good shot. But he obviously looks like a good horse and um, probably going to be the one to beat. All right. It's Cherokee Jack. Looks a good chance in race three. You've had one drive on this guy, successful. That was his most recent start. But that was back in late November. So he goes into this race fresh, no trials. But is this a race that he can score in? Yeah, it's not the biggest of fields. Um, so he's not going to be too far away. And... You know, if he's anywhere near his best, like he was last start, um, you know, they'll definitely know he's there. Okay, that small field, that that that's a plus, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, um, he shouldn't be too far off him, and um, you know, hopefully he shows that turn of foot he did last week, but and um, won't be too far away. Right, eh? Race four into the Mystic is a very intriguing runner, a former Kiwi mare. Four starts, two victories. You're perfect behind her, one for one. She hasn't raced since uh, midway through last year. She's had a number of trials. Is she is she forward enough to score fresh up today? Yeah, I probably reckon she's one of my better chances today. Um, you know, we've been pretty kind to her and, you know, give her a few trials, just trying to sort her out and get 100%. So pretty keen for um, this matter race today. All right. She looked good in that recent trial. Time backs it up. Yeah, she was. She was good. Um, she ran good time, and you know she did it pretty easy too. All right, Shuby, you're taking your first drive behind Shuby. Uh, this is a race that's probably not out of his reach as well. Second row draw. How does he rate? Yeah, um, you know he's obviously going quite well, and 
you know, he's got a decent draw there. So if we gave it a luck, um, he won't be too far away. All right, Grayson over in race six. Uh, you're one for one with this mare. You scored on her at Marburg a few runs ago. How does she line up here? Yeah, I think it's a nice draw for her. Um, you know, we'll go forward. I don't know if she's going to um, get in front, but um, even outside the leader, she'll run a good race. All right, race seven. This is the veterans today. Rough and ready. He's drawn off the second row. Uh, how do you sort of line up his recent form? Yeah, well, I trialled him um, a while ago, and he trialled very well. I was quite impressed by his trial. So um, if he can do that today, um, you know, I think he might surprise a few people. Okay, and the last race today, Scotch and Ice for Vic Frost, Gail Geese, and your first drive behind this guy, and this is a good field as well. How do you rate his chances from the draw? Yeah, it's probably an awkward draw. Um, you're going to need some luck throughout the run, um, but he's definitely good enough to beat them. Okay. Are you looking at the pegs or are you going to just play your cards uh, as they uh, play out in front of you early here? Oh, no. I'll just wait to see how the race plays out. Um, you know, I don't plan too much into it. I just drive it as it happens. All right. Well, full book of drives today. It's going to be another busy day, but hopefully there's a few more wins. So just in summing up this morning, 413 wins. You've clearly got the record for a Queenslander. As I said, only Chris Alford's in that 400 club. What was the highlight for you? Um, I'm going to say the Derby, um, you know, I was, was pretty excited to win that. Um, you know, it's a pretty prestigious race and, you know, to do it the way he did and, you know, at the price he did, um, it was pretty exciting. All right. And just on that, uh, with Graham Dwyer, are you excited about him returning? Like, could he be even better when he comes back in, in 2024? To be honest, um, I think he will be even better when he comes back. He's had a few little niggles along the way and you know he's quite a green horse and you know as we know he's pacing bread and you know everything's new to him so i reckon when he matures he's going to be a very nice horse yeah when he fills into that big frame he's a big boy isn't he he is you know it's a big unit and you know his body probably hasn't caught up with him yet but um when it does um you know it'll be pretty exciting all right, excellent stuff. I really appreciate the time again. Congratulations. What a mammoth year it was. 413 wins. Be proud, and we'll see you trackside later today. Thanks, Chris. There's Nathan Dawson joining us. So he just mentioned not as promised. We replayed the victory in the Breeders' Crown. Here's another feature race win, Steve, from earlier this year. This was during our carnival, the Constellations, back in July. This was a, a Group 2 victory, I think, for memory. This was the Fleur de Lille. Uptown Beach Girl was the drive for Nathan Dawson. They're at the top of the lane. Uptown Beach Girl fighting off the challenge from Brave You Kelly. In front, Uptown Beach Girl. Brave You Kelly all out. Carla Jane to the inside. Uptown Beach Girl. Double century Dawson. Home she goes. Uptown Beach Girl. Uptown Beach Girl. Brave You Kelly. Carla Jane. Total diva. She'll clock in fourth. So that brought up the other 200 wins last year for... Uh, Nathan Dawson with that victory in that feature race. So Beach on Fire, that was the uh, the horse that he booted home his 100th winner on. Uptown and Beach Girl win number 200. Aphorism win number 300. And uh, Mac Daddy was win number 400. So as I said, it's uh, it's rare air as far as the class uh, of the 400 club. Only Chris Alford. He's nearing a record as well, Steve. He's uh, closing in on 8,000 career victories as it stands. No driver in Australian harness racing history has driven more than uh, Chris Alford. So he's building towards 8,000. But the way uh, things are going with uh, Nathan Dawson, who knows? 28 years of age. He's got 1,816 career victories. 
victories, he might head towards that sort of mark with uh, Chris Alford in time to come. We certainly hope uh, it all sort of plays out and goes to uh, to plan for Nathan. But uh, a remarkable season. It was only two years ago, Steve. Pete McMullen drove 315. He became the first Queensland driver to break 300 in a single season. Two years later, Nathan Dawson goes even better. So 413. So 98 more victories on what Pete McMullen... And at the time, we're all saying, oh, no-one's going to get near 315. Mm. Nathan Dawson drives 413. Your son's outside, Bryce. I went and had a quick... I've never met him before, so I said hello and had a quick chat to him. I said, who's your favourite driver? He pointed to the speaker when you're talking to... Mm, yeah. <laughs> Nathan Dawson. Did you ask him about his jockeys? He's doing the He form. said he doesn't want to call. He wants to drive. And so we you yeah. need you to start calling, Bryce. you got the gift, haven't you? Yeah. No, he's looking at me. You're a very serious look on his face. He's doing the form for the Magic Million. <laughs> oh, That's is what he? He'd be doing. Yeah. What's going to win it? Uh, he doesn't know yet. Al Barnes is with us, Chris. Al, good morning. Morning, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I wanted to chat with you because your old boy is absolutely flying Northview Hustler. I've got to ask the obvious question. What's the turnaround? Is it the, the spark that he got from the Inter-Dominion campaign? Because those past two victories at Albion Park have been brilliant. Yeah, I think the uh, the hard race in the Inter-Dominion really did help. And then dropping back in grades helped a lot too. But I just put it back to um, being a bit lazy and too busy through the Inter-Dominion carnival, not doing him properly. And uh, now the carnival's finished, I've been able to put a bit more time into him, work him every day at Marburg, and he's turned the corner. Oh, so you're putting your hand up, eh? Yeah, well, I've done a lot more with him in the early starts and, and uh, getting him done properly has helped. He, he's a remarkable horse in many ways, Al, because uh, he's been great for you. He's now 10. He's clocked over $400,000 with that victory there on Saturday night, but he's just been an absolute marvel in so many ways. Yeah, he's been good for me. Life-changing horse, that's for sure. You don't get many like that. And... Uh, for a little fellow like me to have a horse like him, it's just been a blessing. Yeah. He went a PB time two starts ago. He went 50 and 6. And then on Saturday night, he went 51-2. And I was thinking, when was the last time he recorded back-to-back victories? I had to go right back to the very start when he first came across from New Zealand. That was 2019. He recorded three straight victories, and that was back in May. He started with the flashing red, and then he recorded two other victories at Albion Park. So... It's been a long time since he's gone back-to-back, but he's been super those past two wins. Yeah, he has been, has been. And, and I don't know how much longer he can keep it up. Every week we sort of say it's his last run. And, um, you know, the Monday's then the door winning for me to go back to work. So um, we don't know how much longer he's got, but we're enjoying the ride while we've got it. Okay. So... Time-wise, he's been brilliant. Sectionally, he's also as sharp as ever. So when he scored two starts ago, he finished off in 27-5, 26-5, and on Saturday night, 27-1, 26-8. You mentioned that each and every week you're thinking this could be it. So you're obviously sort of battling a few little uh, soundness issues with him? Uh, Yeah, his joints are horrendous, but um, he hemorrhages into a fetlock, so it's very hard to keep him sound. Um, But he just keeps turning up. He, He... Jog's lame on the lead, but you put him in the cart, and the only way to know if he's sound is to put him in the cart, and he turns into a professional, and off he goes, and you think, oh, I can't, can't keep going this week, and you put him in the cart, and drops his head, and off he goes, and sound as ever. Okay, so all of his work is done on the track? You don't swim him or anything like that? No, no, I just take him into Marburg now, and work him every day at Marburg, and um, no, that's been the key to turning him around for sure. Just, he's always a horse that's copped a lot of work, and I've probably been a bit too easy on him and looked after him and not worked him hard. I definitely didn't work him hard through the Inter-Dominion Carnival and I was sort of kicking myself, but 
Um, it's very hard when you wake up and look at his joints and you feel a bit cruel sending him around twice a week fast working. Mm. The flashing red was his biggest victory when he scored first up. Just looking back at his record last night, he should have won a Redcliffe Cup, hey? Should have, yeah. Yeah, he went close a couple of times. Mm. Yeah, Matt, we're pretty proud of him. Yeah, and, and, and with great reason. The other thing that I wanted to make special mention of this morning with, with Northview Hustler, Adam Richardson, he's been with him his past two, uh, and just looking at his record with Northview Hustler, he's had six drives, four wins, a placing, and a fifth. He gets on well with Hustler. Yeah, he does. He does, and he's he sort of always jumped on at the right times when he's been going well too. But no, look at him, cuddles him, and looks after him, and that's always been the key to a bit of success with him. You drive him soft and save him for one one run and use that speed. And and Adam does that. He gets on good with him. Brendan never seemed to have any luck. We always get bad draws, and I feel sorry for Brendan because he's missed out. He's had to stick with high voltage, but um, Graham Dwyer gives him plenty of drives, so he's got to do the right thing by Graham. But no, Adam's done a good job, and and I nominate with Brendan on every week and. I feel bad for Adam when I do, but uh, he's done a, certainly stood up and done a good job. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, the other thing, you just mentioned his racing pattern. He's got brilliant gate speed, and he's been able to lead in a lot of his victories, but his past couple where he's come off the speed, is that his best pattern? Um, he is much better in front, but we never draw to get there. Um, he just loves being cuddled if you... It doesn't matter if you're saving for one sprint or if you're in front. If you can drive him and hang onto his mouth and save him for a 300 sprint, he's just a different horse. Mm. What about uh, he gets this week off? There's no uh, open race on Saturday night. So is it Saturday week that we see him again? Uh, we're going to do a bit of maintenance on his joints. We'll, we'll put some aftermath in his joints this week and um, we'll probably miss a couple of weeks now and, and just try and prolong his career, give him another six months and just take a bit of time and look after him a bit. Is there a race that you'd like to, to pick up with him before uh, the, the curtain's drawn? I think we've done it, Chris. Yeah. I think every, every victory we've had um, has been a bonus, and especially these last two, well, I didn't picture it. We won two races with him last year. I, I didn't picture that happening. So um, the, the last one on Saturday night being a $25,000 race was was pretty special. Yeah. It was remarkable, no question about it. Uh, and, and the times back it up as well. 50 and 6 PBF at two runs ago. 51-2 there on Saturday night. Hey, job well done. Uh, he's been a ripper. Absolute ripper Northview hustler. Hopefully there's still a few more wins before, uh, as I said, the curtain's drawn on his career. Thanks very much, Chris. Appreciate it. Excellent. There's Al Barnes joining us there. Let's go to the replay of uh, Northview Hustler. Scoring last Saturday night, beat some pretty sharp horses as well, including Tim's a trooper. And as Al Barnes just outlined, that race was $25,000. Third quarter, 26-9, and nine, Beach Villa. Beach Villa leads the way. Bombardier Juge onto the outside. Northview Hustler off the chain, starting to wind up deeper. Tim's a trooper is wider. They corner now. Beach Villa in front. Northview Hustler goes to him. He's got them again, the Hustler. Racing clear. Tessa says it's a late. Tim's a trooper deeper. Northview Hustler. Northview Hustler. Tim's a trooper. Photo third. Tessa Sizzler or Bombardier Jujon.